Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. We're going to have a great morning this morning. We really are. I'm continuing my series that I started last week, simply called The Disappointed Idealist which is a subject covering the topic of cynicism. It's about overcoming cynicism because it's something that we all face, unfortunately, but it's true nonetheless, that we all face cynicism. I've been leading this church now for almost 25 years, as I've already mentioned, and uh, I've seen the highs and we've seen the lows, we've seen everything in between, uh, much like you have. When you've been around and done a little bit of life, um, you see some stuff. I mean, we start out well-intentioned. We start out bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. We're going to change the world. We're going to do some great things. Think back to when you were a child. You know, we said, I want to be an astronaut. Anyone want to be an astronaut when they were a kid? Does anyone actually think, wow, that'd be really cool? I was born in the year that man landed on the moon. So kind of, I've got an affinity with the whole moon landing. And so I thought, yeah, being an astronaut, that'd be pretty cool. And we have all these big dreams and, and big ideas. What, what I do know about most kids is most kids don't grow up saying, I want to be cynical. I want to be a grumpy old man when I grow up. No, no kid says that. I want to be a grumpy old woman. They don't say that. No, they're filled with dreams and they're filled with ideals. And yet, unfortunately, as we get a little bit older, some of those dreams and ideals pass into insignificance and, and they end up much where they did not want to be. And I believe, you know, a big part of that is because life happens. Life gets in the way. The highs are high, the lows are low. And, and, and all those highs and lows can be really taxing on our body. They can be taxing on our spirit and they can be taxing on our soul. And so this whole series is really about us guarding against and overcoming the cynicism that creeps in, whether we like it or not. We've got to re- identify it, recognise it and deal with it. And we looked at Psalm 51, which was written by a man by the name of David, who was that young shepherd boy. Boy who took on this incredible giant called Goliath, won an incredible victory and was called to lead the nation of Israel a few thousand years ago. And uh, he was doing great things and continued to do great things and was known after, as a man after God's own heart. He was an incredible young man who became a credible leader of God's people. But he is a human nonetheless. And as a result, over time, he did some silly things. And on one occasion, he took someone else's wife to be uh, his uh, uh, sleeping partner and uh, she fell pregnant and he decided I better get rid of the husband and so in, in a couple of days he became a adulterer and a murderer and the prophet came to David and said hey what is this that you have done and, and David was cut to the heart and he wrote Psalm 51 and it says created me a clean heart O God Renew a right spirit within me cast me not away from thy presence take not your holy spirit from me Restore unto me the joy of my salvation and uphold me with your free spirit and take not your Holy Spirit from me. David's prayer, and I trust that our prayer today would be that we would have a right spirit. That's what this message is really about, is keeping our spirit whole and healthy. Because if we can rule our spirit, we can rule the world. 
That's what the Bible says in Proverbs 25, verse 28. It says, whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. We're defenceless. We're, we're, we're left unprotected. But if we can guard our spirit, we can have the walls that can keep us safe and help us to overcome areas of our lives. Amen. And so last week, we looked at this pathway of how cynicism starts. And I really want to say thank you for the feedback that I received and how helpful it's been. And I trust today will be no exception as we dig down and get a little bit practical. But just by way of recapping, we looked at how cynicism starts and it actually starts in a good place. It starts with us trying to help people. Why? Because we care a lot. And so if you find yourself a little bit cynical, a little bit jaded because life has happened to you, hey, hey, just, just have a little sila moment, a little breather moment right now uh, because... Give yourself a pat on the back because it actually starts because we care. We care a lot for people. We care a lot for things. And it's as a result of caring that we get involved. And I don't have time to elaborate on this too much this morning, but I did speak on it in length last week. So get on our podcast or on our website and have a fresh listen or a listen for the first time. But it starts generally because we care. And because of the things that happen to us, because we get involved, we then get knowledge through our experiences. And knowledge is a good thing, but it's also a harmful thing. Uh, so it's kind of like a double-edged sword because in helping people, um, we realise that not everyone wants to be helped. And so they can turn on us and, and we can get bitten. Much like Kath, when she went to help that husky dog that was tied up and, and she, she cared, she wanted to help in the situation. And so she went to help the dog and the dog turned on her and literally bit a leg and uh, jumped up on her shoulder and bit her shoulder. It was quite horrible. And Kath just came in tears and she was just like, my goodness me. Now, as a result, she has an aversion to huskies. You know, and uh, I, I think that's kind of like us. We get an aversion to certain type of people who have let us down in the past. And for some of us, it's worse than that. It's not just huskies. We, we just don't like any dogs. And some of us, it's like that. We don't like any people, you know. And some, it's even worse than that. It's not just about, you know, huskies or dogs. It's about animals in general. And so if we don't deal with this, the thing can grow. And that's what this message is all about. Hopefully helping us to get free and to stay free when it comes to this area of cynicism. And the last step in the pathway to cynicism is that we lose hope for the future. That voice on the inside of us says, what's the point? I'm only going to be bitten again. There's no point in doing this. And uh, we get jaded and we become cynical. And so today I want to talk about how we can overcome and how we can battle cynicism that rages against us from time to time. And if you're in a good place today, that's fantastic. Uh, but remember this for the times when you feel those things creeping in, that would be fantastic. So when it comes to Cynicism, I've got a few things, five things I want to look at very quickly this morning that have been helpful to me. You might come up with your own list and, and add to this list, that's great. Uh, but what I want to say is that there's no knockout punch for this. There, there are steps, there's progression. Uh, much like um, a banana cake has more than just bananas in it. I say that all the time. There is more than just bananas in banana cake. If you see someone's banana cake and then go to the shop and buy a banana thing, and I'm going to make myself a banana cake and only buy one ingredient, you're not going to, all you're going to have is a banana. That's all I'm saying. Because whether you know it or not, uh, in a banana cake, there are other ingredients. There's a whole heap of sugar in banana cake. Some of you who are eating banana cake, thinking you're being healthy, just know that in a nice, tasty, yummy banana cake, there's a lot of sugar and there's a lot of things that are not good for you. Just, just saying, sorry to spoil your day, but it's true. 
And so I want to list some five things that hopefully will be helpful in us overcoming cynicism. And the first one is simply this. You ready for it? It's simple, it's practical, and hopefully it's powerful in helping us this morning. Number one, decide now. Everyone say decide now. This is a really powerful thing. It's called a pre-decision. A pre-decision is a powerful thing because it's a decision that's made in the cool light of day, not the heat of battle. It's a cool light of day decision that's made not in the heat of passion. You know, I've been pastoring for many years and I, before that I was a youth pastor and, and it's, it's quite comical slash sad when you hear some of the young kids come to you crying and confessing to sleeping with somebody they didn't want to, it just happened. And, and yet when you find out what happened, there was a lot of steps to take what just happened. But it starts with not being decided and resolute in your heart about how you want to live and where you want to be. If you try and make a decision, a life decision in the heat of passion, you're probably going to make the wrong one. If you're going to make a life-changing decision in the heat of battle, you're probably going to make a wrong one. If you make a decision when you're hungry, you're probably going to make a wrong one. Uh, are you with me? If you make a decision when you're tired, guess what? You're probably going to make a bad one. Is anyone like me out there that if you're tired and hungry, it's not a good time to make a decision? That's why we need to make a decision in the cool light of day before we get tired and hungry. Because in life, you get tired and you get hungry from time to time. And you don't want to be making your decisions there and then. You want to make a pre-decision. It's a decision that you make beforehand. And if you don't make a decision beforehand, you will follow your pressure. So if you, if, you, if you decide to get fit and healthy and, and eat well and you prepare your meals, when you're hungry, you eat what you've already prepared. But if you haven't prepared and you're hungry, now you just want the quickest, easiest thing. And what's quicker and easier than a pie? Are you with me? A pre-decision is a powerful thing because if we don't have pre-decisions, we will follow the pressures. We need to live by principle, not pressure. I've had the incredible privilege of being away with some key leaders, church leaders, Paul Diong being one of them, his wife Marie, Scott Thornton and Dr. Robbie Sonderager were in a room with about 13 other key leaders, senior leaders uh, that I got the privilege of being part of. And it was an amazing time. We asked lots of questions. There's lots of great teaching, had some good, good fun. But uh, Paul said something um, which was like a game changer. He said, more recently, he was asked, hey, Pastor Paul, what do you do when you don't feel like going to church? And his answer was simple and profound. He said this to the person who asked him this question, do you ever feel like not going to church? He said, if you remove the question, you don't have to answer it. Did you get that? Do you ever feel like not going to church? Well, if you remove that question, you never have to answer it. What was he saying? He was saying that a long time ago, when he first gave his life to Jesus, he decided, pre-decision, not to be led by his feelings, not to be led by his emotions, but to be led by a decision that was made in the cool light of day. So I never have to ask myself, do I feel like going to church? Because it's irrelevant. It takes it out of the equation. We spend a lot of time answering questions that we shouldn't be asking ourselves. They should be settled upon. They should already be settled upon. This is a powerful thing. Decide now. Decide now. As I mentioned last week, I I had a life mantra for myself that when I was 50, and I, I, I conjured up this life mantra about the age of 18, 
And again, it came out of seeing things in other people's lives that I liked and other things I didn't like. And I thought, what would I say to myself? And I made a pre-decision in the cool light of day before ministry got the better of me, before marriage got the better of me, before people got the better of me. I thought, you know what? I'm bright-eyed, I'm bushy-tailed, I'm a teenager, I don't know much. And in this cool light of day, I want to make some decisions. And so what would this 18-year-old punk of a kid say to a 50-year-old version of me? And I came up with these three things. One, I wanted the body of a young man. One, uh, two, I wanted the wisdom of an older man. And three, I wanted the spirit of a godly man. In other words, when I'm 50, I want to be better, not bitter. I made a decision. I know there's going to be some things that are going to happen to me and there's things I'm going to do to people that's going to get awkward and it's going to cause me to get cynical. And as I decide now, the best time for you to make a decision is right here, right now, before you find yourself in those moments. If you don't settle it beforehand, you'll probably go with the pressure. And and I'm so grateful for this 18-year-old punk kid version of myself because he's helped me and held me throughout the years. I'm grateful for that. As an eight-year-old, I made this decision. I'm never going to smoke. Now again, we have smokers in our church and we love you and it's great to have you with us. And and we have ashtrays just outside straight after service for you to use. Uh, I'm not here to judge anyone, but I made a decision that I didn't want that for me. You know, know, maybe I'm too tight with my money. I didn't want to waste my money and my my health was valuable to me. And so I I made some decisions. I just didn't want that. But, But I knew when you go to school and particularly high school, the temptation comes and the offers come and the opportunities to, to do that come. And I'm so glad I was able to withstand those opportunities and those temptations. But one of the things that really helped me was this, was this decision I made in the cool light of day. Yeah. I did the same with drugs. I, I just didn't want to do drugs. Uh, that, that doesn't make me any better than anyone. It's just it's trying to teach you a principle to decide in the cool light of day. If you can decide in the cool of day, it's going to help you. It won't take um, the problem away, but it will help you deal with the problem when it comes. A pre-decision is a really powerful thing. Decide now. Number two, be honest. Imagine that, Christians being honest. Wouldn't that be good? I mean, just get honest. Just be honest. Be honest. The Bible says that Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. That word truth simply means the sum total of all reality. Jesus was the sum total of all reality. There was no one more transparent, more honest than Jesus. He was the living epitome of what it is to be truthful, open and honest. And so here's the good news. If you're having a bad day, that's okay. It's okay to not be okay. Isn't that freeing? Because we all have bad days. A bad day is just a bad day. It's okay to not be okay. What's not okay is to stay not okay. What's not okay is to turn a bad day into a bad week, a bad month, a bad year, a bad life. That's what's not okay. But it's okay to be going through something that's tough. It's okay to have sad days. It's okay to have days where you're feeling hurt. You know, your struggle that you face and my struggle is proof of life. See, struggle isn't weakness or failure, but it's the proof that you haven't been conquered yet. And it's a struggle that makes you strong. It's a struggle that makes you conquer. Think of of a um, caterpillar in a cocoon. He has to, to, you know, get strong to break out of that. and, and, And that's what makes him strong. It's the struggle that makes us strong. In Romans chapter four, 
talks about a man by the name of Abraham. And it says, Abraham had a dream, had a word from God that he'd be the father of a multitude. And he was very old in years, and his wife was very old in years, meaning they were unable to have children naturally. And yet there was this promise that they were going to have lots of children. He's got this promise, but he's got this reality. And this is what I love about Abraham. He said this, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. He got honest. He got honest. God can do a lot with your honesty. He faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. In other words, he didn't kid himself. He didn't think he still could do what he could do once upon a time, but was unable to do now. No, he was honest. And genuine biblical faith can face the facts. Faith is not denying truth. Faith can actually face facts. And Abraham faced the fact, my body's as good as dead, unable to produce this promise that God has. But then it goes on to say that he did not waver through unbelief concerning the promises of God. No, he was fully persuaded that God had the power to do that which God had promised. Can you see what he did there? He, he was honest, but then he put the promises of God back in God's hands. He was fully persuaded that God had the power to do which God had promised that God would do. He faced the facts. If we're going to overcome cynicism, we need to get honest. Number three, get help. Get help. We need to learn to talk. And I would say we need to learn to talk sooner rather than later. I was in Hawaii ministering more recently and I was asked to do a men's uh, conference and I was not the only speaker on that particular conference. There was another man who spoke and he, he did a brilliant message about depression. And he said, the reason depression is so high, particularly amongst men, is because men aren't good at talking. And he said, the number one cause for depression among men is their inability to talk. And so I want to encourage you, whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through, to get help. Talk to someone. What I would add to that is this. Have the right conversations with the right people. When Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, sweating droplets of blood because he was under such pressure, he didn't go to his disciples with that. They wouldn't have been able to handle it. He went to his Father. He poured out his heart to the Father. On other occasions, he shared things with the 12. On other occasions, he shared things with only three of the 12. You've got to have the right conversations with the right people. So if you're struggling in an area, you don't want to go to someone else who's struggling in that area. All you're going to get is sympathy. But they are going to hold you where you're at. You need to go up if you're to get help. It's what I call fellowshipping up. If you need help in an area, identify what that area is and then get someone who does that which you need help in better than you. I, I, I wanted the wisdom of an older man. That was one of the things I said as an 18-year-old. And, and the way I've outworked that is finding older, wiser, more experienced, better people than myself to help me in certain areas. And what I found is some of those are Christian and some of those are not. My personal trainer to this day is not a Christian. I don't need a Christian to help me get physically fit. I just need someone who knows and understands exercise and nutrition. Uh, when it comes to leaving the church, I'm not going to go to my personal trainer. 
I'm going to go to people like Pastor Paul and Marie Dion. I'm going to go to Pastor Danny Guglamucci. We'll go to others. You've got to get the right people. One person who's become a dear friend of ours over the last few years is Dr. Ray Andrews. Many of you would know him because we've had him minister here at church. And uh, I'm so grateful for him because he's helped me in the area of my soul, helped me stay healthy in the area of my soul. And we've been to see him numerous times now. And can I just say this when it comes to counselling or getting help? Thank God that there is help for you when you're absolutely at your worst. Thank God for that. But unfortunately, I think a lot of us identify with counselling as only that. I actually want to flip that on its head and say this. I think the best time to get counselling is when you're in a good place. Because then you can go from good to great. If you only go when you're in a bad place, you might get out of a hole, but it'll only get you to ground zero again. The best time to get help is when things are going well. So we have our marriage, we get marriage counselling when it's at a good place. And so when I first went to see uh, Dr. Ray Andrews, I was in a good place, but I I realised based upon my role and what I do, it can be emotionally taxing and emotionally draining and I can begin to leak and I wanted to just stop any leakage that was coming. And so I just asked Dr. Ray to help me and he's been helping me ever since. I'm so grateful for that. And I feel like I'm a better, wholer, healthier person as a result. And I'm not too proud to not tell you that. I just, I just think it's incredibly helpful. Get help. Otherwise, you're just going to become a grumpy old man or a grumpy old woman, whatever the case may be. We're talking about overcoming cynicism. Get help. Number four, stay curious. Stay curious. An incredibly effective antidote to cynicism is curiosity. Curious people... Think about this, are never cynical. And cynical people are never curious. Have you, have you noticed that? Cynical people are never curious and curious people are never cynical. Question, when's the last time you did something for the first time? When's the last time you did something for the first time? See, curious people ask two pivotal questions. The first one is why? Why? Why is it the heart of all curiosity? Just think back to when you were a child or maybe you're a parent now and you've got some young children. Just think about young kids. What do they always ask? Why? They're just curious about life. And I know as a young kid, for me, I was always going, why? Why this? Why that? Get to bed. Why? Because I said, why? Because it's 7.30. But why 7.30? Are you with me? Kids have this incredible ability just to ask the why question because they're curious. Why is the sky blue? You ever thought about that? Why do birds fly? You know, that question was asked and the result of that question being asked and explored, we have aeroplanes today. Just think about that. We get to fly, which cuts travel down exponentially, Because someone said, why do birds fly? I mean, just stop and think. I mean, just like, wow. But as we get older, we just just know they do. Why do they fly? Because they do. Yeah, but why? Can you see what happens? There's a kid like, why do they fly? How do they stay in the air? They just do. But why? Because they've got the wings. What's so good about wings? Because they flap them. Well, Dad, when I flap my arms, I don't fly. Why do they fly? Why? And we're like, get to keep, you're annoying me, kid. We just. (laughs) I don't think God is like a grumpy old dad. 
I think he loves, uh, you know, keep going, keep going, I'm going to tell you something. And we could invent aeroplanes together. Why? Why are there rainbows? I mean, let's be honest, rainbows are awesome, aren't they? <laughs> See what I did there? I mean, they're just, they're just amazing. Like, but why? Or because the light reflects. Yeah, but why? And why, why is there only seven colours in a rainbow? Why isn't there eight? And what is indigo? Why? 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 Get curious. It's when we feel like we know it all, we become grumpy old men. Just because. Why? Why birds? Why? I've been at the birthing process of three of our children, all three kids, and I come out of there just traumatised. I was like, why? I honestly don't know how you can be in that moment watching that and not conclude there has to be a God. Because this is just, why? <laughs> just, and, and I've had to cut three umbilical cords in my life. And, and that's a tough job, ladies. I just want you to know. I know, I know your job is tough. I know. <laughs> but spare a thought for the gentlemen out there who have to get the garden shears. And just try to, oh, it's, it's tough being a dad. It's tough. It's, that, that moment, what, why? Why an umbilical cord? Why a baby? Why come out that way? Why? Just, it's just, why? See what's happening? The cynicism in the room's leaving. It's just like, oh, you're just, we're just getting in a role. It's just, it's hard to be curious and cynical. Yeah. Start asking questions. Why? Why is the shower scratching your arm? Why? <laughs> why? Why are you doing that? Is that like, is that, are you telling me to get off? Or why? <laughs> why? Because these questions lead to other helpful questions. Why is my friend discouraged today? Why? And, and this curiosity now takes you out of your postcode and starts putting yourself in other people's postcode. It takes you out of your little world and starts expanding your world into other people's worlds. You say, hey, you, you seem a little bit down today. Can we help? Any reason why? Why? Why is a great question. Keeps us curious. It stops us knowing it all. I've just been amazed and I've shared it a little bit of late because I've watched Naomi and Luke as their father and father-in-law has been very sick for a long period of time and passed away Friday week ago and, and just before that happened I, I asked Naomi some questions in my office because her dad was a pastor and she was a pastor's kid and she grew up in that classic dispensation when a lot of pastor's kids didn't make it. They went off the rails and they didn't stay in church. It was just an unfortunate era in the body of Christ. But Naomi was part of that. And she can verify, she's on the front row here. And I said to her, I said, Naomi, why are you still here? When so many of your peers and, and, and so many people your age just didn't make it, why? And what she said was so profound. And then I asked her about, man, why are you so upbeat when your dad's dying, and, and, and why can you be up to 
leading worship two days after your dad died? And, and why can you be in the chapel service this morning leading worship two days after your dad's funeral? Why? I'm curious. I don't have all the answers. And I want to tell you the answer she gave me fed my spirit, fed my soul. And I just, I just felt cynicism and scepticism just melting away. I thought, wow, I want to be more like that. I found, it really, I found the feedback really helpful. When's the last time you asked someone why? Why do you do that? You know, why do some of these people come at 7 o'clock in the morning to spend time practicing, to allow us to be able to lift our hands and sing? Why? What, what possesses a person to do that? Why would you do that? To you who are here for the first time today, I'm curious, why would you come to church? I mean, we're glad you're here. We kind of had a sneaking suspicion you'd come. That's why we built this building. But why today? It's a beautiful day out there. Why would you come and sit in this building when there's beautiful... Why? We don't have all the answers. We're on a journey with you. But, you know, our big why behind what we do is there is Jesus. He loves you and he cares for you and he knows you by name. And that's why I do what I do. But why do you do what you do? Let's get curious. Let's ask why. And the other great question that curious people ask is why not? We ask why and we ask why not. In other words, why not do it differently? Why not just turn some things on its head? You know, the Great Commission, Jesus said, go into all the world. That's the where. That, that's non-negotiable. That's where. Go into all the world. And make disciples. That's the what. But Jesus never told the disciples how to do it. And he's never told any generation since how to do it. He just said, this is what I want you to do. This is where I want you to go. But how you do it, it's up to you. And we have people arguing over large church, small church, this church. that, and that's, It's all right. If, if, if it's actually fulfilling the Great Commission, it's right. Because the how can be different. When we decided a few years ago to do a men's meeting that was called The Bloke and it had beer, burgers and boxing at an event in church. You know, not everyone got that because they were looking for a scripture for it. And I'm saying, uh, tell me where there's a scripture not to have an event called the bloke. I mean, there's, just, there's, there's, a, there's a how that God wants us to enter into to be effective to our generation in which God has placed us today. And, and I love asking, why not? And I remember when we were planning our very first event, I said, why shouldn't we do it? Why not? And then they said, well, people could get drunk and because there's boxing, there could be a big fight. So I'm saying, so basically you're telling me the worst thing that could happen is that we could have an all-in drunken brawl. <laughs> I'm saying, why not? <laughs> why not? And that why not came out of not everything we're doing right now is working. And I was convinced a lot of men's ministry were just women's ministry in disguise. We just did what the women liked and we just we have men do what the women like and the men are just not turning out. So we've got to do something different. So, so part of the thing that's helped me stay away from becoming a cynical, grumpy old man is just stay curious, ask why and ask why not. As I'm a couple of way, uh, months away from 50 now, and uh, you know, I obviously had an idea of how I wanted to look at 50, and, and so I'm, I'm still training. I've been doing the gym a long time. But while I've been in the gym a long time, what I'm doing right now is something I've never done before. The way I'm training, the exercise I'm putting together with other exercises, I am doing things I've never done before. When's the last time you did something for the first time? For me, it was this morning. 
Uh, seriously, it, it's what keeps us away from becoming cynical. Stay curious. Amen? And the last one is a band come up. Number five is simply trust God. Trust God. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, which is one of my favourite verses, and I'm sure it is for a number of you out there too, it simply says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. You know what that's saying? What that's saying is what Paul, Pastor Paul de Jong was saying when he was asked, do you ever feel like not going to church? And basically his answer was, if you don't ask the question... You don't have to give it an answer. You see, if you make a decision based on your emotions, how do you feel? What do you think? You're often going to make the wrong decisions. Paul went on to say that you've got to learn to park some things in your spirit, not in your soul. See, that question, what do I do if I don't feel like going to church? I, I don't park that in my emotions. I don't park that in my soul. I don't let my soul speak into that. Because what my soul will say is when I feel like going, oh, let's go to church. But because it's parked in my soul, if I don't feel like going, oh, I don't want to go to church. It's telling me that question is parked in the wrong place. I think much... And many of the questions we have are just part in the wrong part of our being. We've got to move it from our soul to our spirit. You know, when our youth pastor died, I still don't have answers for you as to why that happened. But I'll also be honest with you, I don't ask yet a lot of questions either. Because I've just simply parked that question in my spirit. I said, your word says to trust in you and, not, and lean not on my own understanding because I don't get that. So I don't give it a lot of air time. If I left that in my soul, it would affect my thinking. It would affect my feeling. Yeah. Oh, what's the point? If a good guy like Chris dies, what's the point? Just... He went to church and look what happened to him. You become old and cynical very quickly if you allow those questions to remain in your soul. You've got to move it to your spirit. And say, Lord, I don't have answers, but I'm going to trust you. God, why do babies have to be born that way? You leave that one in your soul, let's just get, they'll just send you batty. Say, God, your ways are beyond my ways. When I had my blood infection. You know, I, I met some friends that I haven't seen for a little while, just being away just this week. And they will ask me, how, how are you going? I say, you're good. And they're referring to 2016, my health. And I don't even think about it. I said, yeah, good. They said, no, no, with your health. I'm like, ah, oh, fine. I honestly don't even think about it. 
it's not a question I ask myself. I'm not in the gym thinking, oh, is this okay? I just, I just park it in my spirit. So I don't, I don't get that. You know, not even the doctors understood how I got my blood infection. I just part, I said, God, you know best. But I got some killer stories from it. Got some great lessons from it. Got closer to God from it. So because it's part of it, I say, thank you, Lord. You're working all things together for good. Because I'm not going to trust in my own understanding. I don't have to have answers for everything. I, I, I trust and pray this morning that what I've shared, though simple and practical, can be very powerful in helping you stay free from cynicism. If there's one thing we don't need more in the church, or in our community for that matter, is another grumpy old man or a grumpy old woman because they live in their soul and make all their decisions based on what they think and what they feel. Do you always feel like reading the Bible? I don't, I'm not even going to answer that question. It's just something we do. Want to know God? How do you get to know God? Read his Bible. Settle that. You stand with me this morning. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 